You're listening to How Real Estate Works, your one-stop shop for all things real estate. Whether you're looking to learn about real estate investing, buying your first house, growing as a real estate agent, and all things financial freedom related, we got you covered with co-hosts Jesse Johnson and Matt Talent. Welcome to the How Real Estate Works podcast, episode 17. I'm your host, Matt Talent, and my co-host is Jesse Johnson. Um, so today I'm really excited because we're having on uh, Kyle and Lauren from Reynolds to Wealth. You may have seen their show on Bigger Pockets, where they acquire a new triplex and fix it up. Um, they've been building a portfolio using the birth strategy, and they're people I've hit up on Instagram before uh, for real estate advice. So super excited to talk to them in person. Um, so Kyle and Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you so thanks much for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming on and for always uh, answering my Instagram DMs. We hey, try man. to answer every single one. We're all in there constantly. <laughs> yeah, we're we very tag team it. I don't know how you do it, but yeah, I'm excited to have you on. And so tell us about how you got started in real estate and um, why you choose that to grow your net worth. We started about three years ago when we purchased our first duplex and we ended up house hacking it. And really our main thought process about that was we moved in together and started renting originally. And we're like, wow, this is a lot of money you're shelling out each month. And fortunately had some savings after college and thought, okay, well we could either take this money and put a down payment on a pretty nice house. But like, why do we need three bedrooms and two bathrooms and all of this responsibility? So what can we do that's a smarter move? And I've kind of always been interested in real estate, you know, read the books, my brother had me read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it all kind of clicked. So we felt like a house hack was a no brainer. So we started with that. It was a HUD property. We did a lot, we did all the renovations ourselves. Luckily Lauren had a mass amount of savings. So it was funded with, uh, with savings. That's awesome. And, um, fortunately for me had a super handy boyfriend at the time um and it just kind of worked out and then we got that first tenant in there and we were sucked in and like we just got to keep rolling with this this is a great idea yeah that's awesome and so do you always like move into them and fix them up or do you buy some of them just straight up as investment properties half and half i would say when we started off it was our our idea was that we were going to burr every property it was going to be a small multis and that was kind of our strategy and lauren we, we got into using the bigger pockets calculator and analyzing deals and uh lauren ended up analyzing a deal in a market extremely close to us five to ten minutes from the area we were living in and the numbers just looked fantastic and it was a single family home so it was outside of what our original plan was um but that's something that we push adapt if the numbers work you know run with it so we ended up doing a single family as our second one um, and then a single family burr as our third one as well. Yeah. Cause we thought house hacking kind of like house hacking our way to a large portfolio would be a good idea because it kind of lowers the risk a little bit. You know, you get better terms and then it's your primary residence. So we were going to have to pay that bill anyway. Why not have an investment, take care of it. But then exactly what Kyle said, this, this other opportunity came through and the numbers worked well. So yeah. why would we say no to it? Yeah, definitely. And I noticed on the show, um, when you guys got big green, like you were saying, you put three and a half percent down. So was that like an FHA that one of you didn't use? We did. So contrary to popular belief, even though it's a 
you know, a first time home buyers program, you don't have to be a first, it doesn't have to be your first purchase. Mm -hmm. You just can't have an FHA prior or currently. So even though we had purchased properties prior, we still were, um, uh, eligible to get an FHA. So that's what we did. We put 3.5% down. Um, and fun fact about that, the down payment, the 3.5% down payment was actually a profit that we pulled from our prior burr. So it was really like none of our own yeah. money. Even for closing, because awesome. the bank we used did uh, offer the 10,000 back closing. Yeah. The seller, was, we did a seller credit. So yeah. it was really like zero of our own dollars. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. That is, that is great. So let's take a step back for those of us that aren't as sophisticated as Matt. Um, tell me what the burr process is. How did this acronym? Okay. So it's buy, <laughs> rehab, rent, refinance, and repeat. So we bought a off market rundown property for $25,000. We used private money for, to fund both the renovation, or both the purchase and the renovation. Um, we did the majority of the work ourselves, but we did hire out things that required licenses like plumbing, electric, heat, um, heating, cooling, and renovations and holding costs came in around $40,000. So now we're all in, you know, 40 plus to 25, so 65,000. And when I run my numbers, I'm like super conservative. I don't like risk. So Kyle always laughs at me because I, whatever I, whatever our projected cash flow or profit's going to be, he just know, knows it's I usually it's gonna just be tack on like, <laughs> if she thinks the house is going to appraise at the one thing, I tack on like an extra 10 to 15,000. It's yes. right on. So I, love, I love the optimism there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm stressing the whole time thinking, oh no, we went over a budget. You know, yeah. I'm thinking the ARV is only going to be like $85,000. And the ARV ended up coming in at uh, 117. So we're all Dang. in at four, 65 with the ARV at 117. We did uh, 75% LTV. We were able to get back all of our funds plus a little bit. And yeah. that's what we ended up using as a down payment for Big Green. So, so um, just so I understand, like, so how long did it take you to do the work um, to get the house ready? So we, we originally went into it thinking that we were going to start scaling and hiring out a little bit more. So we went to the local construction office and pulled some names of contractors that uh, did some work in the area and we had them come out. We gave them a scope of work and we wanted to hear their labor cost. We as serious rookie move chose the cheapest labor rate. So, you know, something that we learned from, but we ended up having to let that guy go about two months into the project. He was just slow. He was good at his job. He just took forever. And at that Mm -hmm. point, it was like the whole point of subbing things out is so that you can finish the job more quickly and then place a tenant so you get those rents sooner. And because we're in we're in the scaling process of our portfolio, we'd like to, you know, get get as many properties as we can before we start having kids and you know, get more responsibility. But yeah, uh it didn't work out. We ended up having to jump in and do it ourselves anyway. So I'd say it took about four months. Four months. So, so it took takes four months to get the work done. And are the banks happy to lend on the new uh, after repair value um, after just four months of you owning that property? I mean, do you have any issues with seasoning? So they did require six months seasoning. So it was like by the time we finished renovations, because it was probably like four months in a week. So yeah. it went into that fifth month. And then by the time we placed a tenant, yeah. um, we had started the application process, but I think we closed at like six months and two days. So awesome. it kind of ended up working out. We didn't really have to, you know, wait too long and we're using private money. And we did the term on our private money for nine months just to be safe with no prepayment penalty. So, you know, it wasn't that stressful. 
So, um, so again, let's 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 dumb this down again. So, <laughs> so after repair value is what it's worth, what it appraises for after the work is done. Seasoning, what does seasoning mean? I know what it means, but Matt may not know what it means. So. Seasoning is a period that most banks, if they're going to be selling your loan off to like a Freddie or Fannie Mae institution, um, they want the original loan or original purchase price to basically exist for six months prior to refinancing. Um, and that's regardless of you know how you bought it. Some smaller banks or credit unions or places that keep the loan in-house might not require a seasoning period, but you're generally going to find um, larger institutions will require that seasoning period. We're still searching for the banks that don't yeah. require seasoning. Yeah. I mean, you are talking about the difference between commercial money and uh, conventional money, which is, you know, government-backed money, right? So yeah. government-backed money is going to have a seasoning period versus commercial money is, is may not have a seasoning period um, and may be a little bit, what we're hearing might be a little bit easier when it comes to investing, especially at like 75% loan to value. Definitely. And I think it also depends what your long-term goals are. So right now our strategy is whatever properties we buy, we plan on owning them for a very long time. And so to us, it's like, okay, do we, you know, if we finish something in four months, is it worth us getting a commercial loan where maybe it's only fixed rate for 10 or 15 or maybe 20 years at a little bit of a higher interest rate? Or do we just wait the two months, you know, pay the private money holding costs on that, but we get a lower interest rate for a fixed rate for 30 years. You know, so I think it depends. If you plan on selling the property in a couple years anyway, where yeah. you're fine with that commercial term, then then that works for you. Okay, I like and it. And do they do they usually want you to have like a tenant in place before you refi it? It depends which bank. Um, the one we like to use will um, give us a better term, or excuse me, a better uh, rate if we do hand over a signed lease. Okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so like I know people have been saying that. Um, kind of like the shutdown and COVID has affected cash out refis. Have you guys seen that on your end? So, I mean, to be honest, we haven't attempted to refi right now um, mm -hmm. just because the triplex, big green, um, we have two tenants that we inherited. So uh, because of the climate and everything, we didn't want to touch their units. We do have plans to renovate and then refi those units, but nice. we haven't, uh, I don't know if, if Lauren's heard of anybody else refining um recently but i've heard that the ltv the max will do is 75 percent, and then just the processing time now takes you know two to three months where they probably could have turned it around you know in 30 days aren't they adding fees or yeah and they might charge a point yeah well yeah. yeah a lot of a lot has changed in the lending world because they're fat and happy on refis right now mm -hmm. uh, of, of like everybody's house i mean there's not there's no one that should should not be looking at refinancing um, what's interesting though, and, um, I'll let Matt get back to his question, but what's interesting is Monday was kind of a big deal. Uh, I don't know if you, if like with the, with a, um, the end of, you know, basically seeing the end of the election coming in, in a way, and then two adding the fact that there could be a COVID vaccine in the near future. I mean, I know, um, firsthand that there was at least four reprices that day. Um, in the more, so we saw rates on conventional loans that were like 2.75 by the end of the day, they were over 3%. So people should be paying attention to that because it is, uh, there's a lot of volatility in the markets right now. Um, so if, yeah, so it, it's just a, it's a fun, it's, I nerd out on that stuff. You know, I totally get nerdy when it comes to, uh, you know, when the, how the news affects interest mortgage rates. And I do think that's actually good for investors. A normal market is good for investors. 
versus like this hyper like uh like low rate environment where you know uh it's caused because of covid and 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 you know they pull back on their guidelines because they're they have so many loans coming into the pipeline and and risk i mean there's a higher risk so um this is definitely something for people to look at yeah definitely and um in the show like you guys were talking about building a list of contractors um and backup contractors that you can have i think you were talking about like you have like four different plumbers so what do you find is the best way to build out a reliable contractor list how how are you meeting these contractors so I, I I stated before you can go to your local construction office and just they can't suggest anybody but they can give a list of contractors that have pulled permits in that town. Um, they have a good pulse on the market. They know what the labor rate is in that area. They're not coming from out of town, charging the same labor rate in that area. Um, they you can talk to them and go see some of the work that they've done um, to kind of gauge if their rate matches the work that they're producing. Um, and I would suggest having them to the property, walking through, developing a good scope of work, and then uh, walking them through and seeing, seeing how, just how they talk about the job. I mean, we chose the guy because he spoke my language. I liked what I was hearing. Uh, just unfortunately, he didn't have a crew. He was a solo job. He was a solo show. So um, it didn't really work out. But that's what I would suggest. If you can go market to market, local construction office, and tackle it that way, you may, you end up at the end of the day with a large group of guys that you've already had a face to face with and develop some sort of narrative. So in the case of an emergency job, you've got people to turn to. Mm -hmm. And That's also awesome. that, having a strong, just local investor community is important. You know, some people actually kind of will say to us, you know, you're so close with other investors that invest in the same neighborhood that you invest in. Aren't they your competition? And I see what they're saying, but we don't have the resources to buy every house in town. Yeah. And the benefit of having close friends who are doing what you're doing in the same area comes in is very valuable when you have an emergency and you need an electrician or you need a plumber because everyone is always willing to share. Um, they might not give you your, their main contractor, but they'll definitely give you the contact to their subs. So like Kyle said, the construction office and then just networking, having people that you can call when you need them. Yeah. And I would say the most important thing <laughs> of that is the fact that everyone wants to know where their money is best spent in a renovation. So where am I going to get the most bang for my buck on a, um, an appraisal? So when you look at a refi report and it's that, you know, we had a deck on the back that gave us X amount of money. Oh, well then maybe instead of, you know, redoing the floors, we'll do LVP and we'll put a deck on. And where he's going with this is that uh, all the local investors, we share our appraisal reports. Yeah. So we could see awesome. like, oh, you, you just finished your three yeah. bed, one bath, two blocks over. I'm going to be refinancing in a couple of weeks, you know, so, so it's really helpful. Yeah, exactly. Way. So like we say is rising tide raises all ships. So, we like to see them appraise high so that they use them as comps mm -hmm. in the future. Definitely. Yeah. It's an amazing point of like what you said about kind of competition um, and sharing information with like what other people would think is your competition, but really like that's kind of a scarcity mindset. And if you have that abundance mindset of, well, if I help this person out, they can help me out and kind of like raises all the ships. Um, all the successful people that I know don't have a competitive mindset. It's the people who are like, Oh, that's my deal. I'm going to lose it. And, but when you, I don't know, when you share information like that, you're helping everyone out and they're going to help you out down the road too. Absolutely. 100 yeah, wisdom. 
that's wisdom. So Kyle, you mentioned like going to your local construction office. Uh, I don't even know what that is. I'm not, I'm no. not playing dumb either. I, so no, where it's cool. I so, find the local construction office? So we buy all of our properties in our own name. So I myself act as our general contractor and hire these subs out as we renovate. So uh, the local construction office, if you just Google the town that, that you're doing work in or your properties in and construction office, you go there, that's where you're going to pull your permits. Yeah. It might be like the building office or code enforcement. Ah, yeah. ah, all right. Now you're talking my language. So I, so I'm going to, so I live in Westchester. I'm going to go to Westchester borough uh, office to put my permits in. That's where I can get a list of, I love, okay. That makes yeah, a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, that that might be a Jersey thing, construction <laughs> office. But I think it, I think it might be a Jersey thing. That's why I had to clarify uh, because we don't speak Jersey in Pennsylvania. <laughs> um, so what's interesting though, Matt told me, Lauren, that you are not only good at spreadsheets, but you're also a coupon clipper. Oh yes, I love coupons. Don't ever pay full price. So um, talk to me about this eBay scheme that you got going on. Okay, so. Basically, if you're going to Home Depot or Lowe's or at really any big box retailer, but we primarily use it for Home Depot and Lowe's, you could buy coupons off eBay and they're legit, they're virtual, they get emailed straight to your phone and then you can just scan them in. Um, I will say the one caveat is they cost money. So if you're just going to get like a $10 off $100 coupon, that might only be $2. Is it worth, you know, the 10 minutes to save eight bucks? I don't know. But if you're going to be spending like $1,000, you could buy a 15% off coupon for 20 bucks. And then that's totally worth it. But it's funny because we'll, you know, Kyle will be going out doing a material run and I'm like, wait, 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 I, like, I, I need to give you a coupon. And he's like, I already scanned no, everything. No, no, no. I'm in line. <laughs> I'm in People line. There's a freaking like, <laughs> person lying behind me. And I'm waiting for She's like, the email's coming, I swear. I'm like, you're going to save this $200. But the Do email does move. come very quickly. So if you end up, you're walking through Home Depot or whatever, and you realize all of a sudden maybe you're starting to stock up and the price is getting up there, you can, you can buy it off eBay and you'll have it by the time you get to the register. Yeah. So That's if you're, awesome. you're going to spend more than $150, you should buy the, you should buy the coupon from eBay. That's, I mean, that's a, that is like, if we were still doing the real estate reverb, Matt, that would be it for sure. So yeah, I mean, that. that was like way back in episode one or two. So <laughs> yeah, but I've had a, a million Home Depot trips where I'm like, Oh, I'm going to spend like 50 bucks and it's four or 500 bucks later. And you're like, Oh, that would have been nice to have those coupons for. I, I have to say, I, I really think uh, Home Depot should sell should sell beer. They should at least have like Miller Lite. I don't or a, or coffee. Yeah. yeah. Like a little they used, to have, coffee they used to have the K cup, the the Keurig sitting at the re, at the walk in. Or like COVID full out COVID. breakfast. To be honest, it's needed so often. I'm like, why yeah. do not, do they not sell breakfast sandwiches? I I'm with you on that. I it it just seems like a missed opportunity. I so I think we should start something here. <laughs> And I think yeah. they should actually sponsor this show too. If home Definitely. people sponsor our show, I think it would be. I, really cool. I agree. Uh, so wait, so I, I've, um, I also, you know, Matt, Matt likes to have me ask questions about how you balance, uh, how you have a balanced life. So, so how do you, uh, how do you do all these renovations and have a normal life? Like, what's your work life balance like? I don't think it's a normal life. No, it's not normal, but <laughs> it's balanced to some extent. I would say we fortunately like each other and like <laughs> working on real estate. So 
when we are pulling late nights or working on the weekends, it is fun. So it doesn't feel like yeah. we don't have bad. It, I don't know. It, it somehow like, works for when us. When somebody's, somebody's out there when a hobby of theirs, you know, I like golfing. I, I enjoy real estate as much as I enjoy golfing. So Yeah, but to give you a more helpful answer, I would say um, what has been super valuable for us is two things. Um, one, having weekly meetings, and mm-hmm. this allows us to have a designated time where we get to like ask all the questions. Did you do this? Did you follow up with so-and-so? How's this going? That's been really helpful so that when we're laying on the couch watching Netflix, I'm not like, did you hear back from the plumber? Um, and then the second thing is... Um, Oh, we both know what we're good at and what we should each be doing. There's no point in us doing all of the tasks together. And since we are just naturally opposites, I like the logistics and the spreadsheets and Kyle likes the tools and the management of the subs. We naturally have developed our own lanes and we just stay in those. And so that has made things more efficient and allows us to free up a little bit more time. And we get a lot of questions about, you know, uh, investing with your spouse or investing with a boyfriend or girlfriend. and I mean, the biggest thing I could say is just don't fight the niches that you fall into. Uh, You'll naturally fall into roles and one will be good at one thing. One won't be good at another thing. And uh, like Lauren just said (laughs) that we we started doing weekly meetings and it's because I'm terrible at communicating. Um, At least, at least you're able to talk to, I handle most. Oh, for sure. Well, I'm, I'm just laughing because it, it's funny because we're finding a little bit of a gray area where like Kyle's renovations, right? And I'm property management. But what happens when there's a repair? Who contacts the yeah, sub? Because they're my, they're the subs that I've used but it's, for but renovations. It's managing but the property. Managing. I, I would certainly True. say property management. I got you. <laughs> Thank you. I got you, Kyle. I got you, man. So, um, so just as a, a book mention, since we like to mention books, uh, the one thing by Jay Papazan is a great book on, uh, they talk about the myth of a balanced life. And it, it talks about the, the constant counterbalance that it takes to have what appears to be a balanced life. So um, I'll go, uh, basically like they talk about a ballerina balancing on their, on, their, on their toe shoes. They're not actually still, they're not just like rock solid. They're constantly counterbalancing it. It's like a fast paced, uh, kind of shiver of, of a movement that makes them look like they're balanced so um, mm-hmm. so it really is the constant counterbalancing and I, I think when you are um, you know when you're starting you can certainly go full bore one direction and then maybe you will counterbalance another direction later and then you know it's 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 interesting in certain parts of your life you can you can count you can go out of balance more um, like if you uh, you know if you drank heavily day after day after day that would eventually cause you a big problem so um, so, but if you count on what you're drinking, I mean, Miller Lite is, is uh, yeah, that's, you're allowed to drink as much of that as you want, Matt. That's water. <laughs> anyway, I will get off my soapbox, but yeah, the, the one thing is a really good book. Yeah. And you guys were mentioning that you're buying these properties in your own name. Um, so some people say you should only buy in an LLC, but then there's the crux of like, do on sale clause if you buy in an LLC. So do you guys worry about like buying them in your own name? You know, this is definitely a conversation yeah. we have a lot. All the time. Especially since we're growing more, you know, does an LLC make more sense? And we definitely think that is a, the way we're going to move into. But currently, you know, we have an umbrella policy, which is a nice liability protection over the properties. And um, 
you know, Bonnie Gallum, who's a, a local attorney in our area, her big thing is, well, you know, she obviously recommends LLCs, but her big thing is, is you should be educating yourself and educating yourself enough and protecting yourself enough where you shouldn't even get to the lawsuit. So you should know fair housing laws. You should, know, mm -hmm. you know, do everything to the book. And this way, if you just take care of yourself that way, you should never get to the lawsuit. So um, while, I, while I would say I think LLCs are import, important in a certain strategy, there's also other ways you can mitigate risk. And that's what we've been focusing on a lot yeah. so that we can utilize residential financing. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Just doing it beforehand instead of letting it get to that breaking point. Um, so a lot of the properties, like people know you, you do most of the work on yourselves. Um, and do you think you'll always do that or you'll become more of like a general contractor and start subbing stuff out? Because I just did my kitchen and my bathroom and I was tiling at like 11 o'clock at night. And I was like, why am I doing this? I could have paid someone 500 bucks to come and tile my whole bathroom. I was like killing myself. So is that where you guys are heading? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, now that we've got, yeah, we just got our fifth property work we're now in the mindset of you know lauren mentioned bonnie gallon well we were on her podcast and she said uh you know what got you here won't get you there and we have a cash flow per month in mind that we'd like to get to and uh what we're doing now is just going to take far too long uh we'd like to start a family and you know the time that it takes us away from our family we would like to start scaling and hiring out so um we are now going to start implementing where I'm the general contractor essentially, but I'm just managing the the project. So yeah, I'm not going to let him swing a hammer. No, anymore. I'm not. I'm not going to be doing the work anymore. But um, I I do want to stress the the importance of of really the experience that we gained through these past years of doing the work, learning the work, learning the processes really helps you get burned by there's a lot of shysters out there I, I you know it's it's sad to say but there's a lot of shysters that'll look to take advantage of uh you know home buyers or investors so to have that base knowledge is very important yeah um, like if someone gives us a quote to paint or to lay lvp i know how long that takes me yeah, and if mm -hmm. someone comes back and they're like four thousand dollars like i know you could finish this in a day your day rate's four thousand dollars yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's been really helpful. And then also I was actually just talking to somebody about this prior because this month we've had a lot of um, maintenance calls and a lot of it's been deferred maintenance for our property that we just bought because the uh, prior owner didn't make a lot of them. Um, and we've been outsourcing them. And we were getting in the conversation about like time versus money and, and all of that. And what we kind of realized is that in the beginning we leveraged our strength at that time, which was DIY. We didn't have a lot of cash to, you know, outsource the entire renovation. Now we're pivoting, you know, our business is growing. Our, our you know, cash is, is a little bit more plentiful and our time's mm -hmm. a little bit more important. And so I think there's nothing wrong with DIYing. It's just, what is the leverage? What is the strength you could leverage at that moment? And then how is that gonna benefit you? Yeah. Yeah, and a quick funny story. First time we tried to scale on this new property, we we bought uh, we set the plumber up to go to the to the property, 
paid Home Depot to deliver a vanity and it never showed up. So we had to end up driving up down there, there anyway. There anyway. <laughs> so so annoying. The universe backhand. Uh. <laughs> it was like, that's cute. You think you're going to outsource? Yeah. We have something else in mind for you. Home Depot at their best. Yeah. 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 I've always found like, I don't know. I tried to fix everything myself and I would look up how to do it on YouTube. Like there's certain things you learn you're not good at. And mine was anything mechanical. So I'd look up how to fix a dryer, spend two hours learning how to do it. Then yeah. I would go spend a hundred bucks and then, yeah, I'd end up calling the guy anyway to do it when I couldn't do it. So that's, I don't do anything mechanical anymore. Well, thank God. I mean, just you even trying to fix it. If it breaks, I'm just like, let's just get in the dryer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm at that point. And to be honest, like if it's, if it's a rental where, where it's, there's a tenant in there, you know, they're super excited now. They just got a new dryer. You know, it's, yeah. you, you can weigh like the happiness of the tenant also in there with that. And I'll just kind of parlay this into another little topic about like self-managing. You know, we're big on just taking care of the CapEx items from the beginning. So that property management is then easier. And we just kind of front load all of that spend so that we don't have the tenants calling us. We don't have to then go interrupt their home. We don't have to run the risk of something happening and damaging their property. So we just really try to like front load that stuff and are all about, you know, obviously if it's a hundred dollar fix, we're not going to completely replace it with a, a brand new appliance. But if it's something that we know is going to be an issue next month, yeah. next year, we'll just replace it. Yeah. Cool. Spoken as a real property manager there. <laughs> you can see that. <laughs> when you guys are like, when you're redoing these properties, are you tearing out everything and like redoing the plumbing stacks and everything like that? Or are you just doing like mostly the cosmetic stuff? And Yeah, it, I mean, it, it really depends. A lot of these houses that we buy are old and you guys live in Philly, you'll know it's, it's yeah. a lot of the old Philadelphia suburban look. The, the row home, uh, but they're all cast iron pipes. Uh, galvanized water lines and they yep. rot from the inside out. So in, instead of waiting for there to be a plumbing backup um, because the inside just flakes, rusty flakes and they'll, they'll back up at the elbows or along the horizontal runs, we tear that all out and we, we put all new PVC impacts in. Um, roofs, if, if they're coming up to their lifespan, um, which the lifespan in my opinion is anywhere from you know uh, 12 to 16 years somewhere like right in there i would like to see them replaced because a lot of ours are flat roofs and they're not pitched so they take a, a big beating um we replace that um and then we do the cosmetic as well uh if we're going to be redoing a kitchen and we're going to be redoing cabinetry i'm not going to leave crappy uh ceiling light fixtures up there as well we're going to do either recess lights or we're going to do new light fixtures. So um, it kind of depends and we stay within budget. And I would always stress to just stay within budget and you can kind of mix and match things from there on where you think that the value is going to sit. Yeah, that's we, awesome. We've got a lot of uh, information on like how you do your flips and like, you know, basically the financing and all of that. And it sounds fantastic, but we all know that in order to have this business, you have to lead generate and, uh, I know that you do a note, you have like a note card process that you do that you've been successful with. I'd love to hear more about that. So we, yeah, we did our first direct mail campaign. That's what you're referencing, right? Yep. Okay. So prior to that, we bought our properties off either 
the MLS or we had one off market deal prior and that was kind of, it just was the property two houses down. So it just kind of worked out that way. But we realized that especially right now with COVID, the MLS is hot. Everything's overpriced. There's lots Mm -hmm. of competition. So we figured how can we, um, circumvent that. So we did our first direct mail campaign. We did a little bit of research and we kind of decided that we'd rather be super targeted and super niche than kind of setting the super wide net. So we did two rounds. The first was just driving for dollars. So we drove around our target area. We looked for properties that weren't well-maintained and we jotted down the addresses. Then we researched who the owner was, found their address, and we wrote them a letter. And then I would say depending what area you invest in, this area um, is a little bit more of like a lower income area. And so we realized that a distressed property doesn't necessarily mean a distressed seller at that moment. Um, So then we pulled a different list and we had a lot more um, success with this, but basically we mailed out two types of letters. So we typed it up ourselves, we printed it on normal printer paper, we uh, included a photo of ourselves. And if we knew that the property was owned by the owner, because you know, their mailing address is the property address, then we said, hey, you know, we're Kyle and Lauren, we're looking to buy a house in the area, we love this neighborhood, we eat at this restaurant all the time, you know, we drove by your house, we'd love to talk to you about selling. If we knew it was an investor, because their mailing address is not the property address, and then they probably own other properties in the area. We said something more along the lines of like, hey, we're Kyle and Lauren. We're looking to build our small small portfolio in the area. Um, We noticed you own a few properties as well. We'd love to talk to you about purchasing this property, others you may own, or just to hear about how you grew your portfolio. Because if we can't buy a property, we figured we'll at least make a relationship. Um, <clears throat> how has it paid off? I mean, that, I mean, those, I mean, I really love how you, you tested it. It didn't work exactly the way you wanted to. And then you made adjustments and, uh, sounds like very smart adjustments. What's been the, uh, how has it worked? Are you getting response? So we mailed probably a total of 50 letters and our expenses were the printer paper, the envelope and a stamp. And we got two calls back and we closed on one. So wow. for that's, that's incredible, <laughs> right? Great return on investment. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, so if, if for our listeners, 50 letters, it's 50 letters, get you, it's 50 letters per deal. Yeah. Hey, if we can keep that, that number going, that ratio, I think we'll yeah. be set. You'll be very rich. I will say that you'll have all the properties. 50, all of them. All of yeah. them. Anything that's you want. That's, that is a, that's a really, but I will say you, the reason why you ha- probably got the return that you did is because you were smart in adjusting your plan, you know, part we way also, through. Yeah. We also did a lot of research. Like I, we didn't just mail any house that looked crappy or any house that we got the address. We looked, you know, we're looking for three bedrooms, one bathrooms between a thousand square feet and 1300 square feet. We looked to see when the owner bought it. We looked to see how much the owner paid for it. Then we kind of, you know, guesstimated, okay, if they didn't refinance, how much do they own on their property? So, you know, we weren't mailing two bedrooms that just bought three years ago and probably have a full mortgage. You know, we needed to make sure that people had some flexibility and wiggle room to sell at the price that we were interested in. And so by really targeting it down, we knew every house that we mailed had a possibility to be a, a deal. Smart strategy. Yeah, That's not awesome. only not only for the mail campaign, I mean, we, we've really utilized everything just to stay off of the MLS on this one. It was, we actually had the house that we ended up buying was attached to a, a vacant rundown house. It ended up being city owned. 
So we had also the idea that in the future, just head to the tax office and pull a list of all city owned properties and go take a look at them and see if they fit our parameters. Mm -hmm. And Lauren, Lauren stated that, you know, we look for the uh, three bedroom, one bath over, over a thousand square feet. And that's because we, that's what we're well versed in. We use the same uh, materials all the time. We'll be able to tell you exactly what our renovation budget is and exactly what the comps look like at that size, at that makeup of three one. So, um, also in the future, renovating, we highly stress using the same materials every time. Makes it so much easier, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I use the same paint for all my homes, so I never have to make a choice about paint color or do color matching. We made first that in the first property. It was like every room was a different color, and now we're like... Yeah. yeah, my first kitchen had like three different shades of blue. I tried <laughs> matching it, and it was a pain. So, um, But yeah, all those tips are awesome. So what is like going for what is your goal for your real estate portfolio i know you said um you wanted to hit a certain cash flow number so are you going to like after you hit that pay down your properties or buy something bigger i mean lauren's worked it backwards from i think we say twenty thousand. well so basically when we first started we yeah, had it's moving a, now we, yeah of course <laughs> <Keep> moving <laughs> up every week i feel like yeah when we first started, so Kyle's in law enforcement and he has to retire at the age of 55. And so our first goal was like, ooh, wouldn't it be cool if we could both retire at 55 and then not get a job after that? Because a lot of law enforcement officers will retire and then get another job after. Mm -hmm. um, so our first goal was 32 paid off units um, by the time he was 55. Well, then, you know, you buy your first deal, your second deal, third deal, and you're like, this is really fun. Let's enhance that goal a little bit. Yeah. So we shorten the time frame and increase the number. Um, but we have switched our goal from units to cash flow because cash flow is really the end game for us. And if we can have a smaller but mightier portfolio with less units, I'd rather that. You know, I don't want to just buy the units for the sake of the unit count. So now our end goal is by 2030, um, July 1st. <laughs> Uh, we will have $20,000 in um, cash flow, and that's after all fixed costs and assuming that we have a reserve account with, you know, whatever we deem appropriate for our portfolio. Nice. Which awesome. is right now, we say about 5000 per door. Right. Okay. That's great. Um, so, you know, Matt, a wise man once said, cash rules everything around me. I'm just saying. Yes. It is. I ask what you cash, what do you cash flow though? <laughs> yeah. All the time. All the time. Yeah. People you know, it, that, that is what, what matters, especially if you're going to self-manage. I mean, I, I'd rather self-manage five units that cash flow what a 20 unit portfolio cash flows. Right. So we'll, we'll see, you know, you asked about paying them down. We'll see like within this, this next 10 years, does that mean we, you know, get 30 units and pay them all down? Does that mean we have 50 units and they all, they're all leveraged? We're, we're kind of going to see how uh, life turns out over the, the next couple of years, but that's, that's our goal for now. Yeah, I actually have, so my cash flow goal is the same. Um, and I was like, cause I was so confused. I was like, what is my goal? Like, should I have 50 units? Should I have a hundred units? What? And I was like, it really doesn't matter how many units you have. It's the cash flow that enables like, if you want to work or not in whatever amount of years. So if I could have a, like, I was like, should I have single family, multifamily, but really it's just the cash flow number that matters. Nothing else. I mean, really matters when it comes to your goal. So, exactly. 
Yeah. So it, help, it helps clarify when you break it down in the cash flow versus putting on Instagram. Oh, I have a hundred doors. It's like, cool. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like kind of a Kyle was saying before I'll go to him and I'll be like, Oh, so-and-so just closed on a, you know, a quad. Like I want a quad. And he's like, but how much do they cash flow? I'm like, well, that's yeah. the question. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like you certainly don't, don't believe the hype. There's not everyone out there is doing it as well as you guys are. That is for sure. No, I mean, we've gotten questions like, wow, you guys make money now on the properties that you buy? We're like, yeah. You're supposed to make <laughs> <Yeah>. money. <laughs> That's the whole idea is to make money. You're, it's not about like, it's, this is not a charity. I mean, it could be if you wanted it to be, but it's, it's not currently a charity. So, Right. But the, the real question is how much Bitcoin do you own? Oh man. <laughs> if you look at our comment section, you'd think that we're like, you know, high roller investors. Yeah. Those, those yeah. spam accounts, you know, always uh, yeah. blowing up your comment section, but zero, zero. I will say. Yeah. I get, uh, I get the end a lot for Bitcoin. So yeah. fun stuff. You're missing out. <laughs> I'm missing the, the opportunity. Um, so now we ask every guest one question. Um, so what was your biggest limiting belief when you were getting started and how did you overcome it? I would say that our, that we can reach the $20,000 a month goal. So when we first started, I was kind of like, uh, you know, I'm not like a big Dave Ramsey person, but I definitely, you know, did that research. And I was like, okay, if we can limit our expenses as much as possible, then we only need five doors and wouldn't life be great. And it, and it, it could be, right? Because obviously time freedom is everyone's goal. But then we kind of realized, yeah, but like, you know, you only live one life. Like, do you really want to be living it, eating grilled chicken every single day? Like, you know, we like, we like sushi every now and then. Like, mm -hmm. we, you know, we like our toys. And, um, you know, so we, we tossed around this $20,000 a month goal. And I didn't really, like, really internally accept it. I was like, all right, like, that's, that's cool. Like, we'll, we'll see, you know, we'll figure it mm -hmm. out. Um, and then I kind of realized that the reason why I wouldn't accept that goal internally is because I knew that what we were doing wasn't going to get us there, what we were alluding to prior. And I was like, but what we're doing right now is comfortable. Like, I know what we're doing. We know how to renovate. We have a lot of control over things. Like, I know everything. Mm -hmm. And to get to the new goal involves us doing a lot of things we don't know anything about, yeah. like using private money and scaling and outsourcing. And so I would say, like, that was kind of my limiting belief is that, like, we can grow this to larger than what we originally thought we can. And we're capable of doing that because... Like I was definitely like holding us back, I think for a little bit. Kyle was like, let's go, let's put in the offers. It's, come on, come on, come on. And I was like, mm -hmm. what are you talking about? <laughs> it's yeah. the fear. I feel like it's, it's, it's all fear. It's the fear of ev of everyone that's in the comment section that's in bigger pockets that wants to get into investing and has just not bought that first place yet. It's That's all it is. It's that underlying feel to fear to fail. And you can't have that fear. Uh, we say it all the time. Your first property does not need to be a perfect deal. Do it. You, the lessons that you're going to learn are going to be invaluable. You, you're going to learn so much that first time around. And that's why we also suggest a house hack because the, it lowers the risk. Um, and you're, it's going to be your first time managing a property if you're self-managing and uh, maybe project, project management. Do it in a house that if you're going to buy a house anyway, make it an investment. So, I mean, we always suggest that. Yeah, because when we first, when our first offer was ever accepted, I was like hysterically crying because I was so scared. There's an awesome picture. <laughs> it's so funny. And then, you know, the first time we had to like pay a plumber $5,000, that was really scary. And then the first time we showed the unit to a tenant, that was really yeah. scary. But everything is scary the first time you do it. Now and it's just the like. The second time you do it, it's just like normal, normal life. Business. So the sooner you could get, you know, you could do it, the better. Yeah.
Yeah. Yeah, it's hilarious because uh, so when me and my fiance put in our offer on our house, uh, the offer got accepted. And she, I was like, oh, got accepted. She just started crying. I was like, oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is not the reaction I thought I'd get. And listen, man, like I when growing up until I met Lauren, like I had no investment. Like my family doesn't invest. We have no financial background. You know, we're all blue collar. You know, it, anybody can do it. Anybody can that is just driven to do it. They'll just no fear, just jump in, do your research, jump in and do it. You know, you'll you'll be just fine. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Um, and I love how uh, Kyle, she is your, you know, she's like the tail to your kite. She oh, I'm sure. I'm sure when people are done listening to this episode, they could tell that she's <laughs> she's the one that does that does a lot of the the pre close. I do the renovation, and then she does the management. It's like. It's very, but you, you're a fly high kind of guy, right? A like thousand percent. We, yeah. So we just finished reading the book Traction and it's yeah. all about having a visionary and an integrator. <laughs> and while I think the integrator is not as sexy, everyone wants to be the visionary. Like I'm definitely the integrator and he's definitely the visionary. He's the one that's like, let's use the private money. Let's buy the bigger house. Let's do the bigger renovation. And I'm the one that's like begrudgingly falling through, but it's good because like I have us mm -hmm. keeping, you know, uh, like a conservative mindset and making sure we're yeah. first making smart decisions, And he's the one that's pushing us to, to take that little bit extra risk. That's really going to help yeah. us get to our end goal. Yeah, the final that's result. A, that's, a, that's a really good book. Uh, yeah. In fact, mm -hmm. the how group uh, we run our entire company on EOS. Yeah. Um, so you are off to a very good start. If you're getting started with it, with that process really early. That's what triggered our weekly meetings. Yep. And um, you know, I'm SOP crazy right now. So are you, are you using the, uh, are you using the traction um, um, agenda for your meetings? It inspired our agenda. Yeah. I'm not going to yeah. say we called it to a T because like, yes, what we do is a business and this has definitely helped us treat it more like a business. There yeah. are still some things where like, I just don't feel like it necessarily tracks. So it's yeah. definitely like, are you, you guys do the segue? Like, tell me something good, personal and professional to each other. Even though so we're going to our first annual yeah. meeting yeah. <laughs> is nice. coming up. And so we are taking um, the advice that like it's going to be off site, right? So we're going to yeah. go away for the weekend we and do. we're going to focus it as a meeting. Um, right. It's COVID has been a little hard because like our quarterly meetings, we were, we wanted to do like out at breakfast or like go to a, sure. a library or something, but we're like, let's go to a different room of the house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's uh uh, we can nerd out about EOS if you want to, um, but I, you're off to a really good start for sure. Uh, but here's here's your here's your yours and everyone else's favorite part of the show, where you get to ask Matt and I one question. Now you have to ask us the same question, um, so and you get one. Only Gary Jonas got more than one. That's so hard. <laughs> so I want to like dig and be like nosy into your personal lives, but I think Kyle has a good question. Yeah. So uh, it's definitely a question that that I've had and a lot of questions that we get. Okay. So uh, during COVID, has your strategy for finding new, new properties in this current market changed? And if, uh, if everybody's buying asking price and over, uh, how has that changed? Are you able to um, continue to, to fight for that property with different- um, Like by using yeah, creative financing? By using creative financing, exactly. So I guess for me, like, um, I've always bought off the MLS and I'm actually like set to close on my next one next week. And I bought, thank you. I bought that off the MLS too. Um, so I, I guess I would say in practice, I've been buying off the MLS, but something that 
like because I'm a realtor, I do a lot of circle dialing, which is calling neighborhoods, and that's something I just started doing. Um, but that is something like I'm calling my local neighborhood. So if I find someone who wants to sell off market, there's a lot of people who are like, hey, you know, I don't want to put this on the market for X, Y, or Z reason. Um, it's just me doing my job, but then that opens up other avenues for me. Um, and then another thing that I've started exploring is calling expireds in the area. Um, so if you have a realtor, you can have them pull the expireds for you. But there was a house that I saw like a year ago. It was 1,400 square feet. It was $200,000, which is like, like there's properties going for 350 for that in this area. So I'm like, it never sold for whatever reason. Um, so now that's like one of my new strategies is calling expireds and just saying, hey, I know you had your property listed. Um, that could be an avenue for me buying properties in the future. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah, gonna I feel like it's always much easier to yeah, re-motivate than, uh, than newly motivate. Yeah, yeah, and the expireds are a great, like, a great way to, to do that. Uh, Matt, I'm just gonna pass on this one. <laughs> so um, I'll tell you what I have done. So I have gotten approved with private lenders. I have talked to small banks and I have not bought a property yet. So um, that is my answer. It's my truth. Um, I have all of my, I don't actually own any real estate right now, any investment real estate besides syndications that I have bought into through the Howe Group, which is my style of investing is I really, I, I like the hands off uh, and getting, you know, really good 15 to 18% return on my money. So um, when you're, uh, when your 12 year old tells you she wants to go to Juilliard and uh, your nine year old wants to be an Olympian, your uh, investment sh strategy becomes a little bit more uh, risk adverse. So uh, hey, you're not the only person I've heard be patient and just get financing set up. Uh, yeah. for when this is over. So, I mean, I've, ho I've heard that from multiple people. Well, so how yeah. has, you know, COVID in the current climate affected like investing in syndications? Is that something you're going to like cool off and wait to see if the market corrects and you can get like a crazy return in a couple of years? Or do you think you're still going to put your money into something because money, you know, the earlier you invest, the better. Market timing never wins. So, <laughs> um, so I'll, so basically when it comes to real estate syndications, it, it's all about you're investing in the person and the group that brings it to you. So we're very fortunate to work at the Howe Group. And so when Gary Jonas brings a deal, it's going to return, you know, he's like you in a lot of ways where, you know, he's very, very conservative. So if he's saying it's going to return 12, it's probably going to return 13. Right. So, and that's really good and it's a low risk environment and that's where I have been, but Matt knows my goal is to buy, I need two, I need two triplex, two, three or four, three to four units in the next two years. And so I have to do what Kyle says, which is uh, stop being a baby and just get out there and do it. Um, and, uh, but I do have, I have my, the one, the one thing that I've done since COVID is I've gotten my ducks in a row. So, um, so when, when something does pop up, I, I will be able to move on it. And, you know, you mentioned, uh, house hacking, I'm in a position to house hack right now. So, uh, being that I don't currently own my primary residence. So that is, I'm in a position to house hack at 43, which is like way super dope compared to house hacking at 28 or 25. So, um, so yeah, so that's where I am and I, I am in a position to, to do that. So I'm all, I will say I've been fortunate enough to invest some of my dollars also with, uh, 
helping investors pay for their renovation costs and nice. earn just on that portion of the deal. Yeah. So um, that has actually been a really nice investment for me. So my strategy is slightly different, but still I have money in real estate. So yeah, exactly. I, I should have went with pleading the fifth, Matt. That would have been a much better answer. <laughs> so for every, everyone listening, if you need a private lender, go uh, hit up Jesse on Instagram. Yeah, my rates, are, <laughs> my rates are really good. They start at 22 and go up. Yeah. <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs> Didn't you get like a podcast guest discount, like 18 at least? Yeah. We'll drop, we'll drop it for, to like 9%. If Kyle asks, I'll do it for 15 and five points up front. Just <laughs> Great. Okay. <laughs> so we've learned a ton on the show. Uh, this has been one of my favorite shows so far, I feel like, because you guys are doing so much stuff that I want to do with the Burr strategy and everything. Um, so where can people find more about you? We are most active on Instagram. We, uh, so it's at rentals to wealth. We try to answer every single DM. So if you have a question, hit us up there. And then this may, might hold us a little bit of account. Hopefully this will hold us accountable. Depending when this comes out, we should have our first YouTube video out on our own YouTube channel. So we did yes. the series of bigger pockets. This is great. We're loving that. We're still going to do content for them, but we also are going to start our own channel. So got the equipment, got the lights, got everything. Now gotta, we got to do it. So hopefully by the time this comes out, go to YouTube. If we don't have a video out, come yell at us. Oh, okay. Great. It won't yeah, be like be this video, so Matt, where, where yeah. the lighting went down as the sun went down for me. Have you noticed? I have noticed that, yeah. <laughs> it's a little gray here, so... Yeah, we'll be putting this out in like January, so we'll uh, we'll post it then. If we don't have, yeah, a video we should out, definitely oh have one out by January. That'd be an issue. If oh, we yeah, I love myself. <laughs> well, bra sure. bravo on all your success and taking the risks and doing it well and and doing it together. I think you guys are are awesome. So thank you for being on the show. Yeah, you're killing it. So. This was yeah. so, had a good time. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. You can join us weekly on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and YouTube. Please subscribe and leave a rating or review. It really helps us out. You can find out more about me at callphillyhome.com, callphillyhome at Instagram, or email me at matt.talent at compass.com. And you can find out more about my co-host, Jesse Johnson, at howrealestate.com jesse johnson on instagram and email him at jesse.johnson at compass.com